Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. It is uh, Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. We welcome you into the Sports Animals in the morning. Chris and Gary both have the day off. Tanner Hayworth, Josh Pacheco, good to have you in. Uh, all of our guests appear courtesy of our hotline today. And of course, you can text into us our text lines at 808-296-1420. Before we do our uh, three, three, uh, three things you need to know this morning, Tanner, I need some honesty from you. Uh, given that you know my work schedule, you know that I don't remember the last time I've been in this early in the morning into the studio. Usually I'm here like a couple of hours later. Last night, I got out of here around 10 o'clock last night. Uh, be honest with me. How worried were you that I was going to make it here on time for the 7 a.m. show? Like like a six. Like I, I, I thought you would come in for sure. My worry was how close to seven you'd make it in like <laughs> yeah. i was fully expecting like a 59 58 kind of deal but you still got in you know about you know like 20 minutes before the show just about so you know it was not it was nothing too surprising but i was glad i didn't need to worry that much let's just say uh yeah we were we were really fortunate that uh multiple alarms really helped out uh in a in a good way this time around and i and i almost screwed it up too because i forgot to put the uh, the volume up on my phone for my alarm, it was just rookie instinct. Mistake. Oh, it's not a rookie mistake. It's a veteran mistake because I'm a veteran and making that mistake all the time. Uh, fortunately, I could hear the buzz from my phone uh, enough to make sure that I uh, that I got in today. So uh, we got tickets. We'll be giving away to Hawaii sporting events uh, here in a little bit. But three things you need to know to get us started. Tanner, you're up first. Of course, uh, what we got going on. I mean, from this morning star advertiser, the Super Bowl mania is rife this week, uh -huh. and I'm talking about the conspiracy theorists, about all of the theories on who's going to win, how the game is fixed, all the scripts that are out there in Vegas. I mean, come on, Josh. you got to be thinking about that too, right? Think about all of the things that's been laid out for us to tell us what we know, that how we know that the Super Bowl will end in a Kansas City Chiefs win. Think about all the commercials for the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Think about Taylor Swift. 13, Josh. 13. I hate this week. In all, in all honesty, I hate this week. Uh, I get why we have two weeks before games, but this is probably the most insufferable pre-Super Bowl week that I can recall because... I don't I don't know why it is. I think it's probably the social media period that we're in. Um, we're we're in a space where everybody wants to come up with something dumb, but there has been more spent more time spent on non-football 
than there has been on the actual game, with maybe the exception of maybe one thing that probably fits in, and that's the field issue that the San Francisco 49ers were dealing with earlier this week. And Roger Goodell's, frankly, um, you know, insufficient answer to the question that came on Monday. But I, I, I don't know what it is except for the fact that there is just a lack of originality uh, in in trying to find a way to get through this uh, uh, get get through this week and get into Sunday. So uh, on that note, uh, we'll we'll have actual Super Bowl conversation, not the whole conspiracy theorist X Files stuff uh, coming up a little bit later on. All right, uh, number two in three things you need to know: the Heidi and Cook HHSAA Girls State Basketball Championships continue tonight. The uh, Division One uh, quarterfinals get underway over on CBS 1500 tonight. The Kahuku Kamehameha Kapalama 7 o'clock matchup uh, is over at Moanalua. Uh, but you've got the heavy hitters. You've got Konawina, who's uh, who's in there. They play today. Uh, they've got Radford over at, uh, uh, I believe that's at Moanalua as well. You've got... Iolani, the number one overall seed. They've got Campbell. Lahaina Luna is going to be a good story this year. But remember, Lahaina Luna is always a great story uh, in girls basketball because they have been legendary off out of the MIL. Lahaina Luna and Waikia may be the uh, game of the night uh, coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. So that's on the Division One side games at McKinley and Moanalua. We did matchups at uh, the Division Two site over at Kaimuki last night. Uh, you had a come-from-behind win for Kapolei, defeating Molokai 42-40. You had Farrington in a turnover-filled game, winning 44-32 over Kohala. Uh, Hawaii Baptist and Hanalani winning as well. I do want to give one more one stat line on, uh, on that HBA Hawaii prep game, and I didn't realize it until this morning, but let me give you a stat line for HPA in a losing effort last night. Brooke Samura, 24 points, 13 rebounds, Went 8 of 35 from the floor. 35 shots in 32 minutes played, but also nearly had a triple-double because she had eight turnovers. That's but that, what you call a volume shooter. <laughs> it is a volume shooter. She took 35 shots. The rest of the team took 19. Uh, but uh, HPA ultimately falls. So games on the Division Two side today, the quarterfinals, Kapa'a, HBA, McKinley, Hanalani, Kamehameha, Hawaii, Kapolei, and Marinol uh, and Farrington. That's uh, the Division Two slate tonight. All right, uh, final thing you need to know, Tanner. Of course, as we know, tonight is the first game of the two-game uh, uh, matchup between Hawaii and Stanford for men's volleyball. Uh, Top-ranked matchup, I think this is five versus three. And I think the big question tonight is whether or not Stanford's Will Rotman, their star outside hitter, is going to be playing. He's in his fifth year. Thank you, COVID, for <laughs> yeah. all of those people. But uh, in our talk yesterday with Chris and I, we talked with Charlie Wade yesterday, and he considers Will Rotman to be one of those AVCA Player of the Year kind of guys. We were number two on his list. And remember back a couple years ago when Stanford was considering of cutting men's volleyball? That's Charlie right. Wade thought we were a shoe-in for Will Rotman at that point. So. Uh, he uh, did not play last weekend against CSUN. Of course, that was where Stanford split their matchup mm -hmm. against the Matadors. So it'll be a big deal whether or not we see number 15 for the Cardinal uh, as they, much like how we rested uh, Spiros Hakas 
in Chaz Galloway in our matchup against Tusculum. It'll be a lot of fun. Of course, that matchup starting tonight. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things that really excite me about tonight. By the way, if you missed uh, Kurt Neuster's conversation with uh, Canola and the gang yesterday on Let's Talk Sports, uh, check that out on demand at ESPNHonolulu.com. Will we have a run? I doubt it where you have an 18-0 stretch of scoring and Neuster's uh, serving 18 consecutive times. Uh, With five aces. Right. That's um, – I, I, I've i done volleyball on a high school in like a Division two level. I filled it on D1 for a little bit. And even in some of the most um, frustrating division you know high school games where you know sometimes high school games can get kind of gory when it when it comes to you know scoring and and big mismatches i've never seen an 18-0 run i've seen maybe like three aces in a stretch but never five uh it's it's pretty remarkable to see that but i think bigger picture is uh this is the true litmus test i think for hawaii going into conference play which we're still a little bit away from uh Hawaii was tested with Loyola Chicago earlier this year. Uh, that, at the time, was the early test to kind of see how quickly does Hawaii get out of the gate, um, how good do they look. But two matches with Stanford, that's that's the best they'll have. And then conference play is in five weeks. So I think this is a much more interesting week to determine what Hawaii is. Also, I'm not predicting any sellouts this week, but you got three versus five in uh, in, in in the AVCA uh, rankings. I've got to think we'll get over five thousand both nights, and I'm not ta- talking about tickets issued. I'm talking about butts in the seats. How how uh, how confident do you feel about that? I feel nice about it. I think that Stanford is one of those like Hawaii schools. If you catch my drift, where I don't know if that's just because I went to Punahou and like a be. lot of people went to Stanford, but. I just think that Stanford, especially for athletics, is one of those destination schools for a lot of uh, Hawaii athletes. I always remember seeing at least a couple of people every year ending up somewhere at Stanford. But I also do want to mention, if you want to talk about how we started the season against Loyola Chicago, uh, splitting there, we are far away from what we started the season. That's right. I think that we've improved week by week. And if you want to go on schedule, Stanford did end up sweeping, not sweeping, they ended up beating uh, Loyola Chicago uh, in the two games afterwards. But to be fair, a lot of the star guys that Hawaii struggled against for Loyola Chicago did not play in those matchups against Stanford because it happened right after they played Hawaii. So if people want to go out there and say, hey, but we only beat them once and they beat them twice. It's like, well, they beat them twice, but it wasn't the same uh, roster there so mm-hmm. who knows maybe that's the same um, argument that Stanford will make towards us if um, Will Rotman doesn't end up playing either tonight or on Friday well I think that's the thing about Hawaii is you don't know about Hawaii first weekend you don't know about Hawaii probably for the first month and we know a lot of it and, and Charlie Wade has the luxury of the load management and the ability to rest some guys like you did with Hawkus. Uh, last weekend against Tusculum, but you really get to learn. And I think Charlie does a really good job with this. You get to learn about his depth early. I mean, would you have known about Sakanoko, um, you know, after the first couple of weeks? Eh, maybe not. Um, I mean, the dude, like, just signed. I know. In, this, like, November, December. That's true. 
and he's worked his way in, and all of a sudden, everybody loves him. Um, the depth of Hawaii volleyball is... It's hard to rival across the rest of the nation. That's something that, that Charlie's done a nice job. And, and the way he schedules, I, I know people talk about the grow the game part of the schedule, but he mixes in really good competition. There's some of the grow the game stuff, Tusculum, for example. Um, but it, it affords the opportunity. And I know scheduling is a big conversation with Hawaii coaches in general, see other sports and how they schedule. But it's these kinds of of matches that show you what you have going in. It's last week where you want to get some guys some run. You want to rest some guys too. You have the ability to do some load management, but also make sure that there are certain guys who have their run on the floor. Um, It's a good mix that leads you to this weekend and leads you to what is going to be that home grind. And by the way, they're home for the next five, you know, the next month. Uh, so they'll they'll be here for a while. But other than that, um, this will be probably the the most interested, uh, not most interested, but this will this will be the matches that get the most interest this week. I think across college volleyball, these two matches, potentially you're going to be watching two teams that make it to the NCAA tournament uh, coming up in late April. So uh, the excitement for this one through the roof. I mean, um, for all Hawaii sports this week, this is the one that's uh, the the must watch. And I did want to mention because you were saying this will probably be like our toughest matchup going into our uh, conference schedule. Mm-hmm. I will say, don't ignore the Outrigger Volleyball Invitation. True. Um, of course, Lewis. You know they're a respectable opponent. I think the matchup of the non-conference happens in that Outrigger Volleyball Invitational when we face Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. people, I feel like, don't know about Grand Canyon uh, the last couple of years. But for the last couple of years, Grand Canyon has been one of the best men's volleyball programs in the nation. And I've had a couple of fun wa- a couple of fun times watching them. I believe it was only a couple of years ago where it was like Grand Canyon and BYU had a set that went into like the 40s. <laughs> That's right. So That's right. This is a, it's, I'm looking forward to that. That's early March, of course. So that's looking way ahead. I'm I'm gonna be excited for the Stanford matchup, but let's not like turn our you know brains off and wait for the Big West uh, conference play to start because there are amazing matchups to come still in this non-conference. To that point, Grand Canyon has three top twenty uh, top twenty wins: CSUN, UC Santa Barbara, UC San Diego. Dropped only uh, they've dropped in their nine wins. They're nine and zero. Oh. They've dropped only two sets all year. So you're right. Grand Canyon's going to be interesting. Lewis and uh, UC Irvine are in that Outrigger Invitational as well. Um, and you're right. Don't don't sleep on Irvine either. That's a conference opponent that you're playing in a non-conference slate. So uh, lots to look forward to tonight. Um, side note, honorable mention uh, in our three things that you need to know, uh, National Signing Days today. Uh, you've got a bunch of signings going on uh, underway. Actually, they're wrapping up the National Signing Day event. Uh, it started at 6.30 this morning. Uh, we're seeing some Hawaii football players that are putting pen to paper, and we'll kind of touch on that as we go throughout the program. You can uh, connect with us. Our uh, text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420 as well. And we want to tell you about uh, what you can check out online, our YouTube page. And uh, over at the Instagram and Facebook for Chef Zone, it's the first coaches cookoff, including Hawaii baseball coach Rich Hill and Rainbow Wahine soccer coach Bud Nagamine. They went head to head. 
preparing dishes with Chef Alan Wong's guidance. The full video out now. Again, it's on our YouTube at ESPNHonolulu.com and on Chef Zone's Instagram and Facebook. We'll check out traffic here. Tanner Hayworth, Josh Pacheco in for the guys. It's the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Animals in the Morning brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union where life matters. We're closing it on Super Bowl 58 between uh, the Niners and the Chiefs or uh, really the uh, battle of the playing fields, the uh, UNLV sod versus the perfection of the Raiders practice facility. Um, But Tanner, something we'll talk about, and we kind of do this every year, at least uh, on the show that I do. um, I'm not as interested in what the networks tell us we should be paying attention to uh, because all we're getting, we talked about this in our three things right at the top. uh, All we're getting is a lot of the nonsense that really does not uh, follow with the game. Then you get all the prop bets and it's, it's all nonsense, but I want to know the, the personal side for you. Uh, We're four days out. What is your personal Super Bowl headline that you are interested in? as we get ready for the game? I think going into this game, I think the personal headline for me is, despite all of this modern offense talk, in the end, the best NFL teams are the ones that run the ball well and play defense. And if you want any bigger evidence of that, I know this is a very long headline, so we can probably call this a It's all right. I think that these two teams are this weird, like, kind of modern nod to, like, the OG style of football, in a way. Because we always love to talk about these modern offenses and how they're passing the ball and yada, yada, yada. When in reality, when you look at the offenses run by a guy like Kyle Shanahan and a lot of his, you know, coaching tree these days... They're all run-first teams. These are all offenses that are generated by a really good running game, and then the passing game plays off of it. And much to that avail, then they have an amazing defense to just punch you in the mouth when you least uh, suspect it. And this year for the Kansas City Chiefs, that Steve Spagnuolo defense has stepped up massively. And much to the avail because of how poorly the wide receivers have played this year. You've seen a really awesome rise of Isaiah Pacheco for the Kansas City Chiefs. And without that run game, I'm not sure Patrick Mahomes plays as well as he does this year with the tools that he is afforded. You know, it, that's a great point because it, it, it's such a weird dynamic. We've got a game that is dominated by a quarterback conversation You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now playing in this game. Yet we're talking about two teams that can run the football. And and that's cool because I think in Kansas City's case, and we'll talk about San Francisco in a moment because I think their conversation is a little bit different. Let's be fair about Kansas City's case. If not for Isaiah Pacheco and that ground game, Kansas City's not here. As as good as Patrick Mahomes has been all year, I feel like he took a step back a good chunk of the year 
I feel like he's been a little bit slower. Um, but I think of big games that they have won. To me, they haven't won those big games because Patrick Mahomes has had a 400-yard game. It's because they've been able to get the yards they need to on third down and extend drives. Uh, because Isaiah Pacheco has had a, a good burst of speed. He went from a no one to an absolute someone in this offense, and it's taken the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. It's amazing um, how I, I think there's a little bit of credit given to that. I don't think there's enough, and I think that's why Kansas City is such a fascinating team because – I kind of expect the Niners defense to slow down Isaiah Pacheco. I don't know that that he's going to have this, you know, even a 70-yard game, which means to me as much as we talk about the running game with Kansas City and how that has kind of propped up their offense and propped up their season, the game will ultimately come down to Patrick Mahomes. How well will Kansas City do on third downs? Is he going to make the key throw? Um, you know, how many key throws will he make to extend drives? How many big plays will he architect? Um, that to me will, will, will ultimately come down to it. Not necessarily can Pacheco get, you know, big third down and three, third down and four, uh, conversions on the ground. I think what's been awesome about Patrick Mahomes this year, and you talk about converting third downs. Do you remember at the beginning of the year? I can't remember if this was the Jets game. Or it was like one of those early games where everyone was realizing, oh my, these wide receivers are terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was like a third and 16 or like a third and 20 or something like that. And Patrick Mahomes just like looks out, looks, 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 and then ends up running for the first down anyways. Or if it's like a third and six, he's looking, looking, looking. Then he ends up running for the first down anyways. As much as we you know, talk up about the amazing throwing arm and the amazing just kind of quarterback that Patrick Mahomes is. I think that's something that he and Brock Purdy kind of have in common. A lot of people talk about the way they throw the ball mm. when, in re- when in reality they, they both still have that little bit of dual threat in them. I would call it one and a half threat maybe mm-hmm. than anything else because they're not like Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen. But when you absolutely need a first down conversion, and now because you got no more games left in the year, you're probably going to put your body on the line a lot more than you did in week one. So I'm excited to see these third down plays for both Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes because in the last couple of weeks, both of them have proven that they're willing to go out there and put their body on the line and run for these first downs and not even take a slide most of the time. True. Because I think Brock Purdy's a uh, bunch of his first down runs that he had uh, two weeks ago, he did not slide in a lot of those. He kind of took some, he took some throws. I remember, what was it the? I think it was that third down conversion where he scrambles outside of the pocket, looks across his body and throws it up to Jawan Jennings for like an amazing catch by Jawan. But it's just for those little plays that I really feel like, for some reason. Brock Purdy doesn't get enough credit for. And even though he's coming, he's probably one of the narratively, one of the best storylines to hit the NFL since I would say Tom Brady being the sixth round pick (laughs) and winning all these Super Bowls. We have the last pick in the draft going against the guy who is probably going to end up being one of the best quarterbacks 
in NFL history, and they're going up against each other here. And yet, it feels like Brock Purdy is the villain in this story and not Patrick Holmes most of these times. Brock Purdy doesn't even need to be the villain. It's like he doesn't need to, but for some reason, everyone, I feel like, has kind of gone against him. Maybe it's that whole game manager thing that happened in the middle of the year. But for some reason, this is a guy that I really feel like, you know, we're not necessarily need to call him, like, MVP or greatest quarterback in the NFL. I think maybe that's too much. But yet, at the same time, this is a this is an amazing story that I feel like is going by the wayside right now. It is the, the Sports Animals in the Morning here on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth and Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary today. Uh, our text line here from the 224. Why do you think the Niners will stop Pacheco when they got ran all over by the Packers and the Lions in the first half? If the Lions kept running the ball and kicked a few field goals, the Niners wouldn't be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, if Dan Campbell didn't get in the way uh, of his own team, hey, I'm. you give me that look, it's kind of true. It is. It's kind of true. If he decided to, if, if he took points... We're talking about a Lions-Chiefs game. All I'm saying is this. To go back on th- this whole thing, because now we're two weeks past it, I feel mm-hmm. like at this point, they had a higher percentage of making that first down than making those kind of field goals this year. That is a second-string kicker that they signed at the end of the year and a kicker who hasn't kicked outdoors since 2022. Sure, that's an overlook on the GM at He's that point. He's a pro point. kicker. He's a pro kicker, sure. But at the same time, if the entire team backs Dan Campbell, then I'm willing to say that Dan Campbell made the correct decision. Because I feel like at that point of the year, you don't go away from who you are. And if you go away from who you are and you miss that field goal, I feel like that is an even more kick to the ego than it is missing a fourth down conversion. But anyway, not to to relitigate uh, the Lions-Niners game from a couple of weeks ago, when, when the texter asked the question, why do I think the Niners will stop Pacheco when they got ran over by the Packers and the Lions? Two weeks. Uh, two weeks to prepare. I don't think it was as bad, uh, I think, with the, with the Green Bay game later in the game. Um, but I think two weeks of preparation for Kansas City and I don't think Kansas City is necessarily the hardest team to prepare for. Two weeks to prepare for them. I think the Niners defense will be ready for it. Just like I believe two weeks to prepare for Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel is enough for the Kansas City Chiefs to prepare for the San Francisco 49ers offense. That's the luxury of this game. As much as we talk about the run game, you also mentioned these defenses, and, and that's why I'm kind of with you. These defenses are going to be really good. Well, offense will not be the storyline, I believe, unless you have one big play here and there that changes the game. Other than that, we're going to be talking about defenses and, and how these defenses adjust uh, against really good offenses. Um, real quickly, and I'll, I'll get to my... Uh, super, my personal Super Bowl story, uh, Super Bowl storyline coming up in a little while. Just to kind of follow up on yours, to, to take it to the San Francisco end, this is why the everybody talking about Brock Purdy is a bit too much for me. The legacy thing is too much for me. Um, whether this will prove that Brock Purdy is you know, an elite quarterback is too much for me. 
It's his first full year. His second year overall. This Super Bowl is not going to tell you whether uh, he is an elite quarterback or not. I'm always a believer about give it time. But we get lazy. A lot of the outlets, because, you know, nobody really cares to talk about a tight end, uh, except for that one. It's quarterbacks. Everybody likes talking about quarterbacks. And here we are. When I don't, I don't think Brock Purdy's the best offensive player on his team. In fact, I'd argue he's probably the fourth best player on his offense. Yet, most of the time is spent on him. Uh, which is why I like the idea that, yeah, we'll talk more about the run game with CMC. We'll talk a little bit more about how Samuel is incorporated into that offense. But I'd spend more time talking about the intricacies of Kyle Shanahan's offense, not so much about the quarterback that runs it, because, oh, track record of recent San Francisco quarterbacks. How's Jimmy Garoppolo been doing lately? So don't spend as much time on Purdy. Spend as much time on the intricacies of the offense and how that defense will stand up to the test four days from now uh, in Las Vegas for uh, for Super Bowl 58. I, I will admit, I'm a little bummed that uh, that we couldn't be there. Here's why. I kind of dropped the ball on this, admittedly, because I was looking into trying to get us there for Radio Row. And we actually had conversations with someone from the NFL about it. And then, you know, you kind of realize, like, all right, everybody's all over the place. Just imagine this week we've been we, we've had all of our people kind of thrown around all over the place. There is no way we could have done a week of Super Bowl Radio Row, uh, given everything that has happened to us this week. But wouldn't that have been kind of cool? It would have been cool if, like, much like how you would say, if if the Dolphins were 100% healthy, it would be cool to see them in the Super Bowl, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Yeah, not happening here. Uh, it is uh, the Sports Annals in the morning here on ESPN Honolulu. I want uh, We both want to hear from you. What is your personal Super Bowl storyline? Forget what everybody wants to tell you to think about. What is your personal Super, super Bowl storyline uh, heading into the game on Sunday. I almost said stupid bowl. Uh, you can uh, text us and call us at 808-296-1420. Traffic right here. You're listening to the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Best question of the morning. In via our uh, text line at 808-296-1420. Ready for this one? Just curious, the texter from the 233 asks, if you guys did get granted to be at the Super Bowl on Radio Row, how would you guys have decided who got to go? <laughs> That's a good question. John Campo, probably, yeah. I, I guess so. Um, which means I probably wouldn't have gone because I'm not good at John Campo. Uh, I lose always. See, this is hard. We we are not gifted with the largest uh, the the largest radio um, on air staff in the world, and this is one of the really busiest times that we have. So let's see. This week, men's basketball. So Bobby couldn't go. 
So he wouldn't go to Radio Row because uh, he'd be busy Thursday. Uh, Gary couldn't go because he's got men's basketball pregames. I can't go because of men's basketball pregame. So you know that would have that would have led us down to Chris Hart at Super Bowl Radio Row. He would have had to miss the student section last night, but that would have led us down to him. And just imagine, Tanner, what it would be like to see Chris Hart on Radio Row fanboying over all the famous people walking around doing interviews at every outlet. Just to, just imagine Chris Hart there. What what would that look like to you? I think to me it would look it would look great. I would love it. I would love to see what Chris Hart would do in that situation. Because <laughs> uh, also, as we all know, we all love when we all have the opportunity to go out to Vegas. I think about all the UNLV matchups whenever it happens in Vegas. Yeah. So I know he'd have a good time, um, for sure. And he definitely would. He would definitely have a great time there. So and. Plus, you also get all the Radio Row experience. I know he would probably be front in line to ask Travis Kelsey about Tay and her new album coming out. Um, so, you know, all I'm saying is maybe you send the two Punahou guys out there. I'm just saying. The thing that people don't know, and I was thinking about that as I answered the question, um, I need you here. Sorry, um, but I, I need someone trusted to make sure that we are uh, we are running. Yeah, I also have uh, school. That is that is also true. Yeah, you couldn't go. Um, I couldn't send Scott Robbs because he's got uh, Spectrum Sports coverage. I couldn't send Kanoa because he's got Spectrum Sports coverage. So, yeah, it's just Chris. Uh, that is like a one-person party at Super Bowl Radio Row. I can just imagine him uh, walking around. Uh, we're we're watching uh, Pat McAfee doing his show from Radio Row. I could just imagine him wanting to walk up to the Pat McAfee set and want to want to meet him and uh, uh, find a stealer that's walking around because you'll find a few and uh, talk to him for about twenty minutes. Uh, that would uh, that would be really really uh, weird radio, to be honest with you. Uh, Texter in we're we're doing personal storylines for Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Texter from the 398, their uh, Super Bowl, personal Super Bowl storyline. Actually, they're going headlines on Super Monday. They're, they're changing it up a little bit. Chiefs, the NFL, and Swifties win. Travis Kelsey proposes to Tay on one knee. <sighs> Look, I love the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing. They've literally only been going out for a couple of months. Uh, no one's proposing. Or, as the Texers would be saying, no one's purposing. No one's purposing. <laughs> so, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen necessarily, but I'm sure if it did happen, um, I would be certainly be surprised about it. I mean, I don't know if you want to surprise your girlfriend who just flew in from Japan, who just got off of a 13-hour flight to watch you play a football game with a big question like that. So, I don't think it's going to happen like that. I'm not even sure it's going to happen, you know. It's not. It's not. Absolutely not. Can't stand that this is a thing. There's probably a prop bet on this thing. Can't stand it. Um, You're looking at me funny. Oh, no, I was just seeing the other texter text in with another idea that we didn't think about. Okay. He's uh, It's from the 722 saying, 
what's wrong with Dave Kawada to the Super Bowl? Oh, well, the thing is, there's nothing wrong with Dave Kawada to the Super Bowl, but he's also got his other duties with uh, Nakoa. And tonight they have their uh, National Letter of Intent dinner that's going on at the, uh, the Sheraton Waikiki. Of course, that's one of the other things going on today is it is National Letter of Intent Day. Uh, so they had a signing ceremony earlier today. Uh, but yeah, that's he. we couldn't have sent him because of his uh, NACOA duties. That's why I couldn't even use him for high school basketball this week. That's why That's why I did games last night. Because uh, we didn't we didn't have anybody to do them, so that's why I did. So nothing wrong with Dave Kawada. Love my guy Dave Kawada, but uh, but but he's got a full time job that uh, that is important to helping the uh, the University of Hawaii athletics program. But that is a that is a fun thought. I I appreciate that uh, uh, that text thrown in there. Texter from the four five nine. Taylor Swift's father played football for UH in nineteen seventy. Yeah, we know. He also graduated from the University of Delaware. So that says about how much we should be uh, idolizing her father. He left us. That's all I'm saying. He left us to go to Delaware. So I think that's how much effort we should put into that. What about Hunter to Super Bowl Radio Road from the 368? Um, Hunter needs a babysitter. <laughs> Hunter Hunter would need someone to be able to set up equipment for him so you need someone else there and uh, I don't think we have anybody to send uh, with him so I, I think that would leave Hunter the odd man out plus we already gave Hunter his, his rookie trip to Vegas remember the UNLV trip because he never as a, as a UH walk-on he was never given the opportunity to travel with the team so um, he and, and other walk-ons would always have to stay back and, uh, and watch the team from a movie theater because they were not allowed to be in their locker rooms because some people were doing some stupid stuff, so no one trusted them to be in the locker rooms when the rest of the team was away. So they had to go watch the road games at a movie theater and pay to see them because, you know, those consolidated theaters still show those games at some of those locations. Um so yeah, we we got him his rookie trip out of the way, and then we got to ease him into to traveling more to Vegas. Uh, one more from the seven six five. I'm guessing this is their Super Bowl headline. I don't know. Taylor Swift's thirteen hour flight is a little different than others. Um, yeah, it's still flying for thirteen hours. Yeah, it is. It is still a thirteen hour flight. I can't imagine. I my my longest flight's been six plus hours. I can't imagine being in the air for thirteen. And sometimes I think six is long and unbearable. Usually when you fly back from California, it's a little bit longer. Sometimes you're going against the wind. Um, but it's like, she'll be fine. It, it's like, at the same time. So, But this is all just to say, like, this is all the stuff that we were really hoping to not talk about at the same time. Yeah, though. I know. Uh, but it, But it's clear via those who have been uh, texting into the program that they'd want to talk about it, which is kind of odd, because I would have thought that most people wouldn't. But it's amazing that there are people who actually do. Um, and by the way, it's not like she's flying commercial. So <laughs> fly commercial for 13 hours. I'm sure that's unbearable. Private jet for 13 hours? Not a big deal. Uh, keep the text coming. We're doing personal Super Bowl headlines uh, for everybody getting ready for the big game, what is it that you are paying attention to 
as we get ready for Sunday. You can call in at 808-296-1420. You can text us as well at 808-296-1420. The big game on Sunday is available at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar uh, at Leeward Bowl. Watch it with friends on their big video wall and check out their new menu, crispy lechon pork, chili with bacon-wrapped hot dog, pizza made to order, chopstick, garlic shrimp, so much more. Obviously, there's something for everybody there. It's at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl in the Pearl City Shopping Center. Another traffic look here. You're listening to the Sports Animals in the Morning. Tanner and Josh in for Chris and Gary. It's ESPN Honolulu. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, men's volleyball. Big matchups for uh, Charlie Wade's squad against uh, Stanford tonight, Friday night. Also big matchups for men's basketball. Must wins here really the rest of the way. Uh, Two of the top three teams in the Big West Conference will be here uh, tomorrow night. UC San Diego Saturday. uh, It's going to be UC Davis. Uh, Let's give away some tickets to that UC San Diego matchup tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Uh, We'll do the fifth caller here at 808-296-1420. Who's going to score tickets to check that out? Remember, UC San Diego beat Hawaii uh, when they played in La Jolla uh, last month. I was reminded, even though I was there, I was reminded about the 19-0 run that the Tritons went on uh, to kind of turn the game around and ultimately beat Hawaii. Uh, UC San Diego, I think at one point last week, they were in the uh, college basketball mid-major top 25, uh, joining UC Irvine in that spot. But UC San Diego is the real deal. Don't get uh, don't get fooled by the fact that they are still in their transition period from Division Two to Division One, and that they're um, they can't play postseason basketball. Don't get fooled by that. Legitimately good team. Pope's a good score. Tate Jones can do a little bit of everything, and uh, uh, they they've got some depth in the front court. Or actually, they got some depth in the backcourt. They got some good guards that they were able to kind of roll in and out the first time they played. So, uh, fifth caller. 808-296-1420 is uh, going to check out Rainbow Warrior basketball tomorrow night against UC San Diego. Finishing up, and, and a little bit later on, we'll kind of update you on National Signing Day today. Um, this is the real NLI Day. University of Hawaii announcing some of those who have signed their paperwork to join the Rainbow Warrior uh, football program. So we'll update you on that coming up in just a little bit. We've been doing uh, Super Bowl personal Super Bowl storylines uh, because uh, we don't want to just force feed you everything that everybody's trying to, to push down your throat. Uh, texter from the 258. Christian McCaffrey runs for 216 yards. MVP Brock Purdy throws for 390 yards and runs for 77. That's from GI. Um, There is no way Brock Purdy's for three, uh, throwing for 390. There's no way. In fact, I will be willing to go out on a limb and say that no quarterback throws for more than 300 in this game. We talked about this earlier um, when we went through Tanner's personal Super Bowl storyline. Remember, um, running game defenses will be the star of this game. Quarterbacks will have moments. I don't think Brock Purdy is going to have a standout game, and I honestly don't believe that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a, a legendary status type of game. Um, and that's why I say Brock, he ain't thrown for 390. Maybe he's thrown for 250. Also, 
doing if my math is right, that's six hundred and ninety-three yards of offense. <laughs> that is seven yards away from seven hundred yards on offense. I, I didn't even bother to count. I'm sorry. I just I, I was focusing on the three ninety because I figured McCaffrey can get to two sixteen. I think he's capable. Maybe maybe Won't like two hundred sixteen all purpose yards. <laughs> That would be amazing if Christian McCaffrey ran for 216 yards. Brock Purdy then throws for 400 yards <laughs> and then damn near runs for 80 yards. <laughs> let's let's put it this way. Let's let's take uh GI's text and let's completely turn it around. Christian McCaffrey is capable on any given day of running for 216. Brock Purdy on any given day I don't think is capable of throwing for 390. Yeah, that I don't that's not a Brock Purdy stat line. No. Uh you can play pigskin picks with us at ESPNHonolulu.com. One more game, folks. One more. We've got our uh, prizes here at the end of the year. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. Three things you need to know going into hour number two on the way next. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman are off this morning, which means you're stuck with uh, with us. Josh Pacheco, Tanner Hayworth in for the guys. You're listening to the Sports Animals in the Morning here on ESPN Honolulu. Great to have you in. Uh, you can always connect with us on the program, our phone line or text line. Uh, both of those you can get in at 808-296-1420. We'll continue on with our uh, Super Bowl personal Super Bowl storylines. Not what everybody wants you to believe. The personal Super Bowl storylines coming up. And we got uh, men's volleyball tickets, Hawaii and Stanford on Friday. Top uh, Two of the top five teams in the nation will be giving away tickets for that sometime uh, within the hour. But first are uh, three things that you need to know to get the morning started in case you're just waking up. You're still kind of getting all the maca pia pia out of your eye and uh, trying to get yourself awake into the car uh, and rolling. Uh, one of the things we're following it is NLI Day. Uh, National Letter of Intent Signing Day is today. Uh, we're watching for uh, Hawaii football specifically, but we know they had a, uh, an event earlier today over at the Elks Lodge, Honolulu. Uh, notable in that, if you're focusing on University of Hawaii football, Alika Kavakuamoy from Punahou uh, signing with the University of Hawaii. We knew that was coming. It's just you know officially putting it down. Uh, on paper, but you had sports represented today, rowing, volleyball, football, water polo, swimming, softball, soccer, baseball, diving. If my math is correct, nine different sports were uh, were represented today at the NLI event, uh, including schools like Sacred Hearts, Mid-Pacific. I even see Dwight Global School. Uh, for uh, Alana Le Uehara, who uh, is uh, going to uh, Santa Clara. So uh, there, there's a lot of schools today, uh, part of NLI Signing Day. Congratulations to them. But Tanner, uh, Hawaii football is kind of where uh, where we're focusing on on Signing Day. Uh, Noah Wiley uh, just turned in his paperwork uh, from, uh, from Laie. Three-star prospect who played at the uh, Polynesian Bowl. We saw him at uh, at St. Louis School. So uh, Noah Wiley on the list. Uh, we'll we'll go through the uh, 
through the entire list as we go because obviously uh, a lot came in in the early signing period. Uh, but anything stand out to you as far as uh, uh, the official signing day today? Well, um, going off of you know guys that we don't know about, uh, we had heard about a month ago about another signee who put his verbal commit down who said he was planning on signing in. And that's official now because I saw it go down on the Hawaii football Twitter. Mm. But that's Elijah Henderson uh, from, I'm trying to remember where he's from. He is from. He's from L.A. From L.A. From or in Sarah High School. Mm-hmm. He had verbally committed back when he made his official visit back in January. And his whole story is that like a couple years ago, at one point he was like 380. But now he's down to like a nice 300, 310 allegedly. Yeah. So that's a big ad for the offensive line. And then going from Steven Sai's uh, X account this morning, uh, Hawaii is also expected to sign Roosevelt defensive lineman Daniel Faletoy and Lelehua linebacker Mateus Iwane. Mm-hmm. And just you know, going through some stuff, if you didn't know, Daniel Faletoy, uh, around 6'4", 225, kind of defensive end slash defensive tackle uh, from Roosevelt High School, who had a pretty good year last year in – uh, general, uh, the uh, oh, oh my gosh, why am I having so much trouble with remembering <laughs> what their mascot is? Do you know it? Wait, which school? The Roosevelt. Oh god, not the Rough Riders, is it? <laughs> no, I it's think it is. It is right. Yeah. Okay, cool. I should know. It's like my. It's we. I grew up right right next to it. But the other one, it's pretty intriguing to me. Is Lele Hua's linebacker uh, Mateus Ioane, and I've watched like a couple of clips from him. Is like a six-two linebacker. As like. He's really intrigued me and maybe a guy that red shirts maybe gets a little bit bigger in terms of weight. I'm I'm kind of excited for those guys, Elijah Henderson coming down. But like you said, a lot of guys that we've heard names of before officially putting pen to yeah. paper uh, despite being verbally committed for so long. Uh, Roosevelt alum and parents uh, were very close to throwing things at their radios that it took us a few seconds to figure out uh, – <laughs> Took us a few seconds to figure out it's Rough early. Riders. I'm still drinking my coffee. It is. You're on coffee. I'm on my energy drink at 8:06. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're working to get there, but we'll we'll follow uh, National Signing Day as we go. Uh, we're in our three things you need to know this morning. Tanner, number two. Uh, number two tonight, Rainbow Warrior volleyball going mm. down against Stanford. A top five matchup. Number five, Stanford. Number three, us. Um, we're three us <laughs> as we know we're we, not us it's not we're we're not on the we, team we, well uh, uh, look as a as a student of the university of hawaii i am inclined to say us. i guess I'll, I'll separate myself when i'm covering the game but tonight i am not covering the game because uh, you're working here because i am working here I, I, but to your avail i will try to stop saying us my bad <laughs> but the university of hawaii nonetheless will be taking on the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, Spiros Hawkins and Chaz Galloway both rested against Tusculum, so uh, I'm probably expecting to see them. And on Stanford's side, they had rested their star outside hitter, uh, Will Rotman. So it's going to be a battle of what-ifs. Uh, what happens if Will Rotman plays? What happens if he doesn't? Uh, what happens if you know someone else? It's, it's a whole fun situation. All this to say, it's the middle of the week, and we got some early men's volleyball to start off this uh, very early start of the week for Hawaii Athletics. At what point um, do the what-ifs go away? Like You stop saying like, what-if, you stop having those what-if conversations, and then you start saying, 
Uh, and I, I'm not I'm not saying it because you said what ifs, but I'm kind of curious, like as you learn about your team, when do the one ifs, uh, what ifs go away and when does it just become, all right, you're, you're there or, or you're not. Um, we know what we are. We know what you are. And we just play. I think that starts, you know, soon uh, for Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. I think we are kind of coming out of the what if area for mm-hmm. this season uh, for the Loyola Chicago. That was like watching a brand new team. Of course, you had Chaz Galloway, Guillermo Voss, uh, Kurt Neuster, Spiros Hawkins. We knew all these guys, of course, but it was trying to see. All right. Will Alaka Todd, you know, transition well to a starting spot and what we've seen the last couple of weeks. He has uh, Keone Thim coming out and playing a lot more than just being a serving specialist. And he has, you know, wowed the crowd multiple times, not just on uh, serving aces, but also getting some big kills when they're needed the most. I think last week he had like four blocks in, on Sunday. So he's getting up there, you know, on defense as well. So there's a lot of really uh, familiar names that I think a lot of people are excited to see finally start. And, of course, there are the new names that are coming out, like uh, uh, Louis Sakonoko, who, yep. like we said last hour, I don't think anyone really expected Louis Sakonoko to play until he went out there against, um, who do we play, Emmanuel. And he at, was it, had, like, nine aces in, like, one of his first two got, uh, times, like, playing for the University of Hawaii. That was amazing to see. So I think the what ifs, they start to stop soon. If it were me, I would love for it to stop like next week or yeah. the next two weeks because then we have the outrigger um, volleyball invitational going down. And I think that's when we should know who we are because we're going to play some really great competition going into conference play then. I think Charlie Wade would love to say um, there are no what ifs anymore. Like, I, I know my team. I know that we can throw our quote unquote backups in there and we can be successful that uh, I can feel confident winning every night, even against a good team like Stanford. So I would argue uh, for Hawaii, at least the what ifs are done. I don't know enough about Stanford to know whether you know they are that confident in, in who they are, even with, you know, one of their most important pieces out. But I'd like to think for Hawaii, uh, the what ifs are are gone. They're done. So uh, I would uh, I, I would take that away here for uh, for men's volleyball. All right. Um, final thing you need to know uh, here on this uh, Wednesday morning, Super Bowl Fifty Eight, and uh, we've been talking all show about personal storylines for the game, not going by what the uh, the, the crowd is telling you to feel. Um, but I'm going to break the rule for one. Uh, because, hey, sometimes it's good to follow up on some of those storylines. Did you know uh, that going into this game, I'm sure everybody's paid attention because uh, you know prop bets are a thing. San Francisco's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. ESPN's analytics is San Francisco at a 59.4% chance uh, of winning the game. So a lot of people believe the Chiefs are an underdog. Chris Canty uh, Super Bowl champ earlier today on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Honolulu explains why he believes that that's correct, that the Chiefs are indeed underdogs. The Chiefs have fewer all pros. I mean, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers have a top three scoring offense and a top three scoring defense. Like they, they are the 
better team. And that's why Vegas has the number at where it's at, despite the biggest disparity in the entire game, which is the matchup between the quarterbacks. We all know that Patrick Mahomes is on a trajectory to be the greatest of all time, whereas Brock Purdy, even though we like what we've seen from him, is still in his first year as the full-time starter. So even with that difference being weighted in the numbers that Vegas is pumping out in terms of the spread on this game, the San Francisco 49ers are still the favorite. So I don't know how we can argue against them being the favorite in this game. Uh, Chris Canty earlier on on, on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Honolulu. So just by that soundbite alone gives you every reason as to why the two weeks are way too much. Because one of the first things you heard from Chris Canty, one team's got more All Pros than the other, which to me doesn't tell me uh, doesn't tell me anything. Um, I I don't know that I buy San Francisco as a favorite. Visiting team minus two and a half doesn't really count to me because this is a uh, this is a neutral site game. But at what point do you lay down Tanner um, All Pros or? All of that, all all of that talent. What point do you weigh that explosiveness of San Francisco versus the absolute breadth of experience that Kansas City brings into this game? I think what more than sixty players uh, or more than sixty games of of playoff experience or something with with Kansas City's team. Like, where do you start weighing experience versus explosiveness and? I, I, that's why I kind of tip the scales both ways because San Francisco's got the explosiveness. And I think on a big stage that can be really good, but I feel like the explosiveness can be tampered by defense. I, I like Kansas city's defense here. And that's where I, I look at experience and veteran coaching that kind of props Kansas city ahead to me. So, so from that perspective, um, how do you view that all pros experience uh, how, how do you how do you weigh that when determining a favorite? I think first of all, I drop uh, thinking about all pros as soon as the playoffs begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you find out who the all pros team is, it's like, oh, good for you, man. Good job. <laughs> you know who so the all pro team just frustrates me because Why? it doesn't tell you who the best is at that position. Um, I. I want to make sure that I get this right really quickly. So, because this is an issue that I had for this year. Okay. I think of a guy, so this is mostly going at the whole all pro system thing. Um, or this could have been pro bowl. I'm not sure. Yeah. Remember pro, pro bowl and all pro are two different things. Right. So I just think about this. It doesn't really matter what journalists think who the best team is when it comes to two teams playing a football game against each other. Okay. I think it's really good for your regular season and how you did, but I think for the NFL, it's what have you done for me lately? And when I think about the last couple of weeks, you could not tell me that people could have predicted the Kansas City Chiefs to play the way that they have in the last three weeks, judging solely on this regular season. Because I could not say that they would win the ways that they have won the last couple of weeks throwing the ball because they've had so much issues in catching the ball so far this season. I think the Chiefs' offense have shown up when they needed to show up 
a la the Buffalo Bills game. Yeah. Their defense has shown up when they needed to show up, a la the Baltimore Ravens and Miami Dolphins game. This team looks like if it was judged based off the playoffs, it really felt like the Kansas City Chiefs should have been a one seed in the playoffs, judging by performance alone. So it doesn't matter how you got there. It matters how you've performed. Mm -hmm. And I think the last two weeks, the 49ers and the Chiefs obviously performed the best because they made their way in there. But when I'm looking at how both of these teams have done in the last two games, I cannot, I cannot convince myself to bet against Patrick Mahomes. And as much as it's a whole team thing, their defense has played so well. A lot of his guys helping him out has played so well, too. A guy that has stepped up maybe by not forcing the issue a lot, like how he has so in the regular season, is Patrick Mahomes. I can't think of a time in the playoffs that he has forced something because he felt like he needed to play hero ball. Mm -hmm. I really haven't seen a lot of like that negative hero ball from Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs that we've seen a lot in the regular season where he's like, well, I have the talent to throw this, so I'm going to try to throw this. And that's why I just think that, like you said, experience is most likely going to win out in this in this uh, game specifically. And despite a lot of the really great veteran presence that the San Francisco 49ers do have, and guys like Trent Williams, Debo Samuels, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, these are all Fred Warner, these are all guys that are the best at their positions. However, I think overall, one of the teams know how to win a Super Bowl, and the other team, and specifically one head coach, doesn't know how to win a Super Bowl with his offense. I'll, the only thing I'll say about the All-Pro team, and again, this is very this is minutia here at this point, there were three players that were unanimous All-Pro selections. Two of them were San Francisco 49ers players. One of them was Tyreek Hill. Um, but the two Niners players, Fred Warner, who's coming off of what 13 total tackles against the, uh, the lions in the NFC championship game had a, had a, a pass deflection as well. And then, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who to this, this one's to your point with McCaffrey is that he's rushed for less than a hundred yards in both of these playoff games, 90 against the Lions. He had, I mean, he still had four and a half a pop. 98 against Green Bay. He was still averaging less than six yards per carry, which is pretty good. But he hasn't had that 100-yard game on the ground. In fact, didn't play week 18. Last three games he has played less than 100 yards rushing. Worth noting. So all pro, take it for what it is. But at least you can say... On Warner's front, um, that yeah, uh, they they view him as an All Pro, and he has kind of played to that All Pro level, um, you know, in the postseason. I am also reminded, and I think to your point, I was talking to a high school coach uh, yesterday who kind of felt he kind of feels like in their own sport, and maybe you can apply it here. You have an All Pro team in the regular season, which the NFL does, and then you have an All Postseason team. And you separate. Now, there is no all postseason team. The, the NFL doesn't do that. But if you wanted to, uh, you could probably do that and 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 separate it all out. Uh, make sure it's regular season and postseason. But, I mean, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that props San Francisco up to me is that 
Um, you have two guys who have been steadily consistent all year, although McCaffrey has not been on the up as of late. Fred Warner's just been been Fred Warner uh, defensively uh, at that linebacker spot. Um, so Chris Canty's all-pro argument is is gone to me um, at, at, at that rate. You can get in touch with us. We're doing uh, personal Super Bowl storylines. We'll continue that uh, at 808-296-1420. Some of you have shared them with us uh, throughout our program. But we want to tell you to make Chili's Grill and Bar your place this Sunday to watch the big game. Check out Chili's Pearl Ridge, Kahala Mall, Kapolei Shopping Center, Town Center of Mililani, or Waipahu at Waikele Center. Traffic here. You're listening to the Sports Animals in the Morning. Tanner Hayworth, Josh Pacheco in for the guys. It's ESPN Honolulu. We've got uh, men's volleyball tickets for Friday. We'll be giving away sometime over the por- uh, the portion of the hour. Remember, if you've won within 30 days, you can't win again. Just want to make sure uh, make sure we put that out there. We've had some uh, some people trying to be repeat winners. Can't do it. Uh, <laughs> it is the Sports Animals in the Morning. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman both out today. Tanner Hayworth, Josh Pacheco in for the guys. Uh, that means Hunter Hughes is flying solo today. Uh, when uh, when he's got off the bench coming up at 3 o'clock. Tanner, uh, texture from the 224 wants to school you about situational football. Oh, we I'm were talking We were talking earlier about Lions Niners. And, um, Super topical. Yeah, I know. We're, we're relitigating that, that's the That's our fault, though, at the same time. Kind of. Um, I think I had mentioned that there's the pot. I mean, if if the Lions don't gamble as much as they did, we're talking about them here. But anyway, uh, you had contended that it wasn't about Dan Campbell gambling because he had to, inexperienced kicker, all of that stuff, et cetera. Uh, Texter says here Tanner, it's about situational football. Lions had a chance to go up by three scores after the Niners scored on their first possession of the second half. You don't gamble that way on fourth down in field goal range in the NFC championship game since we're relitigating uh, what was it 11 days ago how would you like to respond to an 11 day old uh conversation my response is that as we all know after that fourth down uh conversion fail the 49ers play call was to throw it off the face mask of a Lions defender for a perfect uh 50 plus yard completion right Mm -hmm. that was the game plan for the 49ers they expected that to happen and then, of course, then on the next offensive drive for the Detroit Lions, the Ly- the 49ers perfectly played a uh, Jameer Gibbs running on the wrong side of the ball, thus him not having a secure uh, uh, handling of the ball for him to fumble. Both, All three of those situations all happened because of a failed fourth down conversion, right? Because this is all I got to say, is that when you have a guy like Michael Badgley, who I myself, I'm not sure anyone would be comfortable in having Mike Badgley out there being your for sure kicker guy in a time where you are kicking outdoors, something that Badgley has never done in the last two years, mind you, signed late in the offseason, 
He had a solid game the week before. I believe he made four field mm-hmm. goals, so good for him. But I just think that in that situation, you shoot the shot that you take in practice over the entire regular season. In that situation, Dan Campbell went for it. On a fourth and three, he has Jared Goff, a guy who the Lions have ultimate confidence in, throw a ball to, I think it was Josh Reynolds, who had the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. and he just dropped it. And you know what? That sucks. I it When it happened, I was sad. But at the same time, what's a bigger gut punch? A drop where you could have had it or a missed field goal? Or that could even still turn into a blocked field goal yeah. and then return for a touchdown. There's multiple different situations that could happen if it did happen. And the big reason why I don't really... I really hate this argument (laughs) is that multiple teams did this over the weekend, but yet no one had any issues with it. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens-Kansas City Chiefs game. No one wants to talk about how on each of their first drives of the game, on their own side of the field, on very similar down and and down in yards, on fourth down and short, both teams on their own side of the field went for it and they got it. Yeah. And no one's talking about it. Because guess what? Analytically, analytically, going for it on fourth and short is actually the smart thing to do if you feel like you have utmost confidence in your game. Because but that's not end, an, but that's not end, analytics. But in the that's what I was gonna say. In the end, as a head coach, you have a job to balance the two things. A lot of people want to bash going for it on fourth down on analytics. But yet, Dan Campbell, I'm not. This is not like to be like mean to Dan Campbell. He's not an analytics. Yeah, don't guy. be mean to Dan Campbell. He's going to take out your he kneecaps. Is, he is exactly. He is full emotion. And if you're a full emotion style of coach, your entire team is mirroring that emotion. It's the same reason why I believe only two days ago, Alex Anzalone put out a letter in the Players Tribune saying how the entire team was behind that fourth down play. Fine. Because that's who their team is. But guess what? They're not going to go publicly and say uh, we shouldn't have done it. Of course. I agree with that. But at the same time, I think of some wise words from Patrick Ewing during his time as a coach from Georgetown. When have you ever taken that shot? Do you take that shot? They don't take that shot, Josh. So situationally for other teams, if you have Justin Tucker – Make that field goal. Good for you. For the Detroit Lions and how they got there that season, if they didn't go for go for it on that part of the field, mind you, they were in San Francisco's um, uh, 50 at that point. They were like around the 40 or the 30, I mm-hmm. believe. So in that situation, if you don't make the fourth down, it's just a punt. That's how I see it mostly. I just don't see the issue in it. And I don't think that's Dan Campbell's fault that you had a defender not make an interception, have a ball bounce off his face mask, fall perfectly into Brandon Ayuk's hands, and then the next uh, offensive possession, you have your rookie running back make a a tough mistake. That's on them. That's not on the fourth down play. That's that's my side of it. Okay, that's fair. Um, and now we could probably do away with this 11-day narrative. Thank yeah? goodness. I, I, I And think- it's fun. <sighs> and it's fun. Can we say it? Watching a team go for it on fourth down, it's fun. Are we anti-fun around here? That's all I got to say. 
Um, I don't know. It, it depends. It depends if you're a, a, a fan of the team. All I'll say is the, the networks have built into this narrative now. Have you noticed, and I think it's more so uh, this year than it has been in the past, um, you've seen networks put on their on their bug on the bottom. If it's a fourth down, what do the analytics say? Should you go for it or should you not? And I don't think it's actually helping the game when you got a fourth down and four and uh, ESPN analytics comes out with uh, you know, their percentages of whether they convert or not and whether that means they should go. Because um, as we talked about before, it's it's analytics versus confidence. And I'm I'm reminded of our good friend Arnold Martinez, our guy, who um, you know also has their you know they have their analytics that they have on the sideline, especially when going for two. Well, going for two, they have the clipboard. They they have the uh, uh, the the score chart. But at some point, you the the bug doesn't matter whether they convert on a fourth and four fifty nine percent of the time doesn't matter. It's game time confidence scenario. I think that's, and for the final time on this, that's why everybody's on, on Dan Campbell. Cause game time scenario, NFC championship. Why do you do it? And now, and, and that being said, we're done. <laughs> we are done with going back 11 days. We accidentally brought it up. Just because I think we were talking about numbers and we were looking back at how the, you know, oh, it was a text. You know what it was? It was a texter that said, well, why do you think the Niners defense is going to be good? Because they couldn't stop the Lions running game. and They couldn't stop the Packers running game. And then it got to the litigation of 11 days ago. So uh, let's put it to bed. Let's, let's, let's dig up some dirt. Let's bury it. And let's move on. And you were about to say something. I think you realize maybe we've, we've already buried it. Let's, let's stop at this point. I think so. good, good idea. I was gonna say, you know, apart from one fifty-yard run, that was all the Packers did to uh, the San Francisco defense rushing-wise. Earlier, uh, we talked about Christian McCaffrey uh, and how I said he's actually not had some great games his last three. He's been held under a hundred rushing yards his last three games. Uh, Brian texts in, "What about total yards for CMC? He is a receiver threat too, sure, um, but I think." Your priority with Christian McCaffrey is you need him to establish the ground game. First and foremost, you can swing him out of the backfield. Um, you know, you can have him catching passes underneath. But if you don't have him establishing himself on the ground, some of that other stuff doesn't happen. You've got to make him a threat. You've got to make Debo a threat. You've got to make all of your weapons a threat before Christian McCaffrey is now um you know in in a position to 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 do a lot of damage. I you have to you have to remember that. Um you don't just especially with running backs, you don't just become a dual threat on the field because you just are. Uh a lot of times you become a dual threat on the field because there are scenarios that take place in the game that allow you to become that. You force defenses to respect something else that allows you to become a receiving threat out of the backfield because you've run the ball so well 
or other players have gotten involved. And you can get in touch with us, our number 808-296-1420. That's what people have to remember. It's it's not that simple. Um, and, and a lot of times, good coaching and good play design also helps in that conversation. Uh, we'll get to the phones here. Uh, who do we got here? You can just say it in my ear. It's uh, Harold. Harold, thank you for calling in. How are you? Hey, morning. Morning. Hey, you know, I kind of, um, you know, I, I, I've been kind of listening to everybody talk about the, you know, the game coming up, and I kind of really, um, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Ravens fan, and I, I think the Ravens uh, got um, outcoached, actually, by Andy Reid, and I, I think he, he might have been the, the X factor that, I, I don't know if anybody's talking about it or not, but, and I'm kind of um, thinking, you know, as far as between him and Shanahan, uh, if if we're looking at the same scenario, and I do think that McCafferty is the X factor for the Niners, if they can somehow contain him, I think the Chiefs will win this game pretty easy. Hey, by the way, how, how did you become a Ravens fan? You know, my parents were from Baltimore. Oh, so I'm a, okay. I'm a I'm a, I'm a I'm a diehard Baltimore Orioles fan, and I was a Baltimore Colts fan. And uh, so I just kind of, uh, you know, you know, for the last fifty years, you know, I just kind of bleed uh, <laughs> Baltimore. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of cool. Everybody asks. Yeah. Everybody asks. And, and Harold, I appreciate your call. Thank you for listening in. Because everybody asks, like, you know, you would think, oh, you're you're in Hawaii, so you have to be a fan of either an LA team or a, or a San Francisco team. But it's such a melting pot here of fans from all sorts of different teams that it sometimes like people ask me, how did you become a Green Bay Packers fan? Um, so I sometimes I kind of like to give it right back. How did you become a Baltimore Ravens fan? I love finding out those stories. Like sometimes it's just as simple as, oh, I have family back in Baltimore. Sometimes it's for me as a Green Bay fan. I became a fan because I had friends when I was younger. Um, I had a teammate of mine in like youth basketball he and his family were Green Bay fans, and I remember going over to their house uh, with the rest of the team and watching the game and enjoying watching Brett Favre and Green Bay play, and I adopted them as my team at, like, what, eight or nine years old? Maybe ten? I don't know, something something around there. But that's how I adopted them. Everybody has a different story because you don't have a team here. That's why I kind of figured, Harold, like, you're a Tampa Bay fan. I don't know how the heck you became a Tampa Bay fan. When I was in the sixth grade, we had a math project where we had to cover a team for the entire year, I had ended up with Tampa Bay, and we had sent out letters to uh, each team saying that what we're doing for them, and I had a letter sent to me from Raheem Morris. Oh! So, shout-out to Raheem Morris. Uh, please don't do well in Atlanta. <laughs> do just as well as you did in Tampa Bay in Atlanta. That's all I'm hoping for you, Raheem. I want, uh, we'll get to Harold's point when we come back, because he was talking about coaching. Uh, and I want to make a point on Andy Reid. We'll do on the other side of this break. ESPN Honolulu is brought to you by Kahala. Upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. Our last look at traffic here as we get you through your Wednesday morning. Tanner and Josh in for Chris and Gary. It's the sports animals in the morning at ESPN Honolulu. Standby volleyball tickets for Friday uh, to give away here in just a little bit. Tanner Hayworth, Josh Pacheco. It is the Sports Animals in the Morning. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman have the day off. Uh, you can get in touch with us. Our phone line or text line 
is at 808-296-1420. Uh, by the way, uh, just to uh, just to throw out here, yesterday at one of the uh, Super Bowl press conferences, CBS is airing the game, by the way, uh, with uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And their CEO, Sean McManus, was at the podium. And he said, and I quote, the NFL has promised us a double overtime game. When you pay $2.1 billion, you get double overtime. No, no, we're not speaking double overtime into existence. Let's, let's, you know, if we get overtime in general, fine. Let's not speak double overtime into the conversation because, you know, being that Monday is a work day, you know, we don't play this game on Saturdays and you try to recover on Sunday going into Monday. Being that Monday is a work day, I think we are fine with getting this game done in either regulation or a 15-minute overtime period. And this is also a reminder, overtime rules are different in the postseason than they are in the regular season because you have 15 minutes in overtime, not 10. Um, and if it is a tie, you don't have a tie in the Super Bowl. We do indeed uh, go to double overtime. Could you imagine if they're like, all right, it's a tie. <laughs> do we split the Lombardi trophy in half? Who split, gets the football side? Does, Who gets the base? Does one parade start where the other <laughs> where the other ends? Do we have a parade go from Kansas City into Santa Clara? No, you play. You have the parade at the uh, the midway point between Kansas City and San Francisco, which probably means what Salt Lake City, Utah, is <laughs> where you have the the parade for both yeah, teams. Let's not tie meet right, the, meet let's, right that's in the, the middle. Ending? Let's not do that. <laughs> um. Harold made an interesting point, um, you know, in his in his uh, phone call in the last segment. He was talking about coaching Andy Reid um, and uh, Kyle Shanahan, and, and a big difference between these two coaches. By the way, Andy Reid also did say this week he was asked about uh, whether he'd contemplate retirement after this game, and he said uh, there are no plans on talking about retirement anytime soon. So uh, we can forget one of the conversations that I remember I had. Uh, toward the end of last week on whether we were seeing the end of Andy Reid. Because as of right now, uh, he says his uh, his coaching career is not going to end after this game. Well, if he retired, how would Eric Bieniemy have a job next year? <laughs> that uh, That's a mess. It is. And also, to that point, I remember seeing that uh, someone tweet that question and answer. And the I remember seeing the answer as today's, uh, I'm not. It's like something like today's not the day for that kind of question. Mm -hmm. And then someone had replied, "This would be a really weird day to retire from football." If yeah. someone asks you, "Are you willing to retire today?" It's like, no, the Super Bowl's on Sunday, sir. Right. I still have plenty of days left. And by the way, um, Eric Bieniemy, who we've all talked about as a head coach that we've believed he should be a head coach at some point, um, probably not going to happen. After what one year in Washington, and they let him go with a, with a new head coach, which is kind of normal. But you would think potentially for a guy who's so good as a, as a mastermind on offense that a coach would potentially want to retain him. Um, that he's going backwards instead of forwards in his uh, in his time as an OC. That that talk about him being a head coach somewhere in the NFL is probably gone now. I'll say this though. If you look at the difference between the Kansas City offense the last couple of years compared to this year, where Matt Nagy returned to call play or to be the offensive coordinator, mm -hmm. not necessarily calling plays, 
what if Eric Bieniemy comes back to be the offensive coordinator and then that offense comes back to being some a lot more respectable in the regular season? I doubt it. Then what's the conversation then if that happens? I don't think I don't think you have that conversation. You get to a Super Bowl, you're not you're not messing with your staff. Uh, unless some, someone got Matt Nagy a better job. But I don't think you're messing with that staff. I don't I don't know if anyone's wanting to hire Matt Nagy to be their head coach. True. Or I mean or he takes another job as a coordinator somewhere, which oh, yeah, again true, I true. I kind of doubt. Um, but going back to to Andy Reid for a moment, this is probably one of his better coaching jobs, if you think about it. I mean, a lot of people credited the offense uh, the last few years with Biennemi there, not to Andy Reid, because people were looking at Biennemi as a head coach in waiting in some places. People were giving him the credit. Andy Reid wasn't getting as much credit um, for what the Chiefs were able to accomplish. And I remember earlier in the year, we were talking a little bit about how Kansas City didn't look the same. Their offense seemed to be a touch slow, um, not as explosive, not as dominant. And we even credited that to the fact that the enemy's not there. I guess you can give credit to Matt Nagy for how um, you know that offense has started to roll again. But how much credit should we actually be giving Andy Reid? Not just this year, because I believe this is one of his better jobs um, and how he's turned a team around from what looked like a team that would barely get into the postseason to a team now that um, looked like one of the better teams in the AFC actually going in. A very different looking team. Um, But not only that, maybe it gives us an opportunity to go backwards and give Andy Reid a little more credit for the last few years than we've been willing to give him. I mean, at some point, and I, I don't I don't know why we've fallen into this trap, but when you get to nine postseasons in a row with Kansas City, 10 in 11 years, at some point, the conversation goes away from the OC and really should be given to the head coach. And Andy Reid... For as much as we've changed the narrative about him the last several years from the coach that couldn't win the big one in Philly to the coach that has won two Super Bowls and is trying for a third in KC, it feels like we still haven't given him enough due for the work he's done in Kansas City. And, you know, honestly, I'd love to see him continue coaching because uh, I think he's good for the game. I want to see him wear another, uh, uh, what would I call it? Uh, Luau Knight polo, uh, not polo, Luau Knight button down like he did on Monday at Super Bowl opening night. But let's give Andy Reid more due than he's been given. Uh, hasn't lost a postseason game since 2021. Uh, best coach right now in football. We've pushed him to the side because we've all wanted to talk about Bill Belichick. This is Reid's time right now. Look, just like how a lot of people said it'd be, it's hard, it's going to be different watching the NFL without the uh, the old Navy hoodie up in New England. It's going to be weird. Once that mustache is out of the NFL, I'm just not sure there's anyone that could really even, I think you have to find a way to enshrine that mustache <laughs> in the football hall of fame. The, uh, the, the or national the, or the, the fogged up, uh, face mask from remember the COVID days when, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. tried to wear the plastic shield. I remember fog that. Up. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's already in the hall of fame, the national facial hair hall of fame. Uh, has Andy Reid probably on line one five years after he retires? Because we we know the rule, right? Five years, about nine consecutive years, double digit wins for uh, for Andy Reid in Kansas City. All right, we got uh, men's volleyball Friday night, Hawaii and Stanford. 
three versus five in the nation. Let's do those tickets. Caller number six at 808-296-1420 is going to check out some of the best men's volleyball in the nation. I'm expecting a great crowd both tonight, also Friday night uh, for men's volleyball. So call number six, 808-296-1420. We'll give away those tickets coming up next. As we remind you, the sports animals in the morning are brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, where life matters. We'll close out the show coming up next. Along with Tanner Hayworth, I'm Josh Pacheco. It's the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, congratulations to uh, Martha out in uh, Kaimuki. Martha is going to check out uh, Rainbow Warrior Volleyball Friday night uh, with Hawaii and Stanford, number three versus number five in the country. Uh, More tickets to give away coming up later today. Let's talk sports with Kanole. He's got some tickets off the bench. Hunter Hughes is solo today. Uh, he's got some tickets to give away. Oh, by the way, I mean, we haven't, I haven't seen a place where we can mention it today, but we should remind people extra innings with Rich Hill, uh, kicks off our, uh, I think it's a 10 show series tonight. Uh, Mr. Oji sans Neo bar, uh, and sushi, uh, is uh, going to host it this year. That's uh, right on King street. Uh, you can't miss it. It's if you're going down, uh, King street toward the university, it's on your right. Um, the front facing, it's orange. Uh, you cannot miss it. So make sure you check us out. Tonight, it's a shorter show, 6 to 6.45, as we lead you into uh, Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Uh, so join us tonight. Rich Hill and I will uh, get you ready for Rainbow Warrior uh, Baseball as we are now, what, nine days away from the start of the season. So make sure you join us tonight uh, here on ESPN Honolulu for the start of the uh, Extra Innings with Rich Hill series. All right, um, Tanner, final words. Uh, what, what what would you close out the show with today? What I want to close out the show today with is just kind of general taking it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe standing on your ground, standing on business is what the kids like to say these days. <laughs> Do they? Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, what's it called? They have the whole DK Metcalf learned how to say it as a sign language and still got fined for it and all that good stuff. But uh, on standing on business, I'm talking about Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman mm-hmm. and her comments on the relocation of the Oakland Athletics to Las Vegas. And she further uh, said on her statement uh, when she was on a front office sports podcast talking about how she feels like they should stay in Oakland. She said... Uh, We discussed several topics, including that, and I mentioned the passionate fans of Oakland who often visit our city to cheer on the Raiders. My points included that it is my belief that in their perfect world, the ownership of the A's would like to have a new ballpark on the water in Oakland and that the ownership and government there should listen to their great fans and try to make that dream come true. She still wants, she's she's like still open to them coming, but I just got to say this, um, Fisher, just sell the franchise. (laughs) No one wants you. And I can't imagine how that must feel as an owner of a of a, an entire baseball team. Does the mayor of Las Vegas know that um, a hotel on the Strip that's going to be the home for for A's baseball is closing in two months? Like this is this is awfully late to kind of put out their doubts about having the A's. Um, more so about doubting the kind of ownership group you want there uh, in Vegas because the Tropicana Hotel is closing on April 2nd. 
We've known for a while this is going to be there. There's been talk about what that's going to look like, this kind of monstrosity of a, of a baseball venue, closed-door venue, by the way, uh, or closed-door, closed-roof. I think I don't know if it's retractable or not. Um, you hope they have doors that can close in there. Yeah, good point. Um, 30,000 seats, and they've already made the announcement. In fact, it was announced within the last week. It's closing April 2nd. Could you have come out with this sooner and maybe save the Tropicana? Not to mention there's that whole lawsuit against the whole bill going on how taxpayers would a – lot, a lot of that money is coming from taxpayer money. I saw that on the news as well a couple of days ago. So it's not a good relocation going on for the athletics right now. Make Chili's Grill and Bar your place this Sunday to watch the big game. Check out Chili's Pearl Ridge Center, Kahala Mall, Kapolei Shopping Center, Town Center of Mililani, or Waipahu at Waikele Center. Tanner, you've been great the last couple of days. Thanks for stepping in today. I, I believe both Chris and Gary – are back tomorrow. We'll find out. Coming up next, it is uh, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Honolulu.